All right. Welcome back into the Plank Show. Is this the Weezer version, or is this no, that's the original? Right? Yeah, yeah, this is the original. Weezer version uh-huh. would be. Uh, we should have played that version. I guess there is this TikTok trend going around where they've been able to somehow recreate the video to this. I say TikTok trend. You all know I'm not cool enough to be on TikTok. It would be an Instagram reel trend in my book. But I'm not going to lie. When I was a little kid and I saw that video, my mind was blown. I don't think I ever read a comic book again. It's like, well, I ain't opening that thing, man. I ain't sucked into that world. You kidding me? <laughs> Come alive. Dude chase. Some dude chasing me around in a, in a race car. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, welcome into Hour 2 of the Plank Show. Okay, so let's let's hit some of the reactions to USC, Brian. In case you all couldn't tell, I've kind of been familiar with, with the USC, Brian uh, bad guy mantra. The realtor Chris did crack me up. He goes, the national anthem should always be 202, no more, no less. Chris is so good, he has nothing to prove. Stapleton is too. Very well put. But um, I, how many times have we heard these two things? And I think it's kind of fitting that it comes up on a day like this. I'll give you two things that I'm sure as you know, Oklahoma fans who are listening today have heard incessantly. Oh, you're just following Oklahoma. It's all about following. Excuse me, you're just following Texas. Just following, you're following for the money. Uh, you're just doing whatever you're the, the Longhorns say. Look, they ruined the original Big 8 and, and the, the original Big 12. Right? And you would say they ruined the original Big 8 by, you know, believing the Southwest Conference and, and coming here. But anyway, they ruined the original Big 8. They ruined the original Big 12. They ruined it all. And now you're just following them. You're just going to follow them, aren't you? You hear that a lot. Um, you're, it's just about the money. You All you care about is the money. You hear that a lot. And then, and then the – um, other thing is Slippery Rock was something new for me, but you hear, oh, just going there to become Nebraska. You're going there to just become the – you're going to be the Nebraska of the SEC. I don't know about you, Josh, but I've always kind of just – I've, like, tuned that out. I know that's – I don't feel like I need to fight over that because, number one, uh, in, in one of the first texts from the 405, Texas is following OU Bozo, which, by the way, uh, Bozo, Clown, Dope, my three favorite name-calling – names to use love them great great word but i mean i i don't i don't care i don't care who who cares i don't know why that's a thing that anyone i know it's texas fans and want to try to talk i mean i just i get it that's part of fandom where you're like well uh-uh, it's not you it's us we're leading the way i i don't it doesn't i don't care who cares i mean at the end of the day, you could sit here, um, and I'm not saying anything negative about that take, 405, you know it, we've all, we've all heard it. Joe Castiglione could come out with phone records and say, just for the record, ladies and gentlemen, this was the first call that was made to the SEC, um, and this was the first call that was made to Texas, and as you can see by these phone records, they were all by Oklahoma first. Um, here is statistical every single piece of evidence you could ever use could come out and tell people well Oklahoma really was the innovators of this and they were the ones who got Texas on board and and got the SEC to say yeah well we want you when the SEC was always on board 
and there would still be a very large faction of fans like, well, I don't care. I'm not buying it. Of course. What else is he going to say? Texas's idea. So I don't – I've just learned that that's, that's – who cares? Yeah, you're just following Texas. Okay. Well, we're going to the SEC, and you're not. So don't care. Um, number two, you're going to be Nebraska and or at Slippery Rock. I don't recall Nebraska having a top three recruiting class, top five recruiting class when they went into the Big Ten. And I also, you know, I and, and, and to be very fair, Nebraska really struggled to find a good athletic director, right, that helped them transition. They struggled in that area. And now it seems like after, you know, several iterations post-Tom Osborne, they, 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 finally, they finally have got it right. Right, in, in bringing in Trev Albers, who isn't just some jock. Here's a guy that has an incredible depth of experience in administration, working his way up the ranks from, uh, you know, getting into athletic administration, then working at Omaha and being their AD, and now the AD at Nebraska. I think he's going to do a good job. But I just, I mean, we'll see. If, if Oklahoma wins – Early on, then they'll always be, well, they had an easier schedule. There's always going to be something, Josh, right? There's always something that's going to cut away at most levels of success for about anyone. There's always going to be something that, well, yeah, well, you're doing great, but it's you're only on in Oklahoma. You know, those types of things, they're just always going to chop away at your success. So, you know, to those two things that USC Brian brought up, I don't care who followed who. And even if we had all the evidence to show one way or the other, no one would believe it. And number two, and we're going to find out um, after next football season. And we'll see what that schedule looks like, how into the fire Oklahoma is truly thrown, Josh, who's going to be the teams that they regularly see. So the perfect setup that Brian has described and others believe that Oklahoma possesses has netted a grand total of zero national championships since the year 2000. So if going to the SEC and challenging yourself more week in and week out makes you the slippery rock or eliminates the perfect setup that, again, netted you a grand total of zero national championships since the year 2000, then I say bring it on. Yeah. A couple of these from the 918. USC Brian Tulane says hi. (laughs) That's, That's pretty good. Uh, because of USC, Brian, I'm going to drink heavy tonight. That's from Sooner Todd. That is a big decision to make, Todd, at 10, 10 in the morning, but we're here for it. Yeah, it doesn't sound from like the, you needed much coaxing. Right, exactly. From the 316, Tommy writes, USC, Brian, smoking them left-handed cigarettes, which Josh informed me would be the marijuana. That's the weed. It, stay off the weed. Uh, 405 writes, Big 10, huh? Maybe they should should switch with Tulane. The caller is high if he thinks we're going to be the slippery rock of the SEC. <laughs> uh, here's a few more. USC Brian absolutely hit a spot. Uh, need an idiot alert sound when you put that USC fan on. And uh, and then there's this <laughs> one final one because I felt like the the body blow was thrown by. 
Quinn and a couple of others, but here's from 580Nate. He's reading straight from Katie's burners, uh, Katie's burner account, Mahomes Brothers, a TikTok, and the Feinbaum show. Well, does question does Jackson Mahomes ever talk on his TikToks, Josh? I think he no? just mostly dances. Which, by the way, what was his point on Mahomes? I feel like uh, he got a little mixed I, I up. I think there. he got. Yeah, uh, Shep actually had transcribed that and texted me, quote. Congrats, Pat, for your MVP, but you're not the best quarterback in the league. But if your career ended now, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Was he was he saying that he was the best quarterback, or he's he's not? I I, I was trying to decipher that. I, I didn't understand. I I think what he was trying to say is you're not only the best quarterback in the league. You could retire because, today and be a Hall of Famer. Right. I gotcha. I, I think I think. Um, seven three one. Did this man just throw shade at Terrell Davis, two-time <laughs> Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, league MVP? That Terrell Davis? I'm not a Broncos fan by any means, but good mercy, USC dude made me lose brain cells listening to those hot takes. Enjoy those 11 a.m. 15 degree snowy away games in USC. Uh, and then this was good from the 405 at Dan freaking pants, my man Quinn. I took my thumb off the KD hate button when he landed in Phoenix, but let's not pretend like he never went ring chasing. And what was Russell supposed to do here? Not average a triple-double? P.S. USC Brian sounds like my grand uh, grandparents. Go fly a kite. Ooh, that's a nice little shot. Go fly a kite. Go fly a kite. All right, I think we're good on the USC Brian fallout. I'm not saying anything. Listen, Gunny. I'm not saying anything bad about left-handed cigarettes. I am just – I'm not here to hate. Whatever – whatever you do you, boo. <laughs> left-handed cigars. There's a different term for that. Oh, there is? Oh, there is? Do I, need to, do I need to Google it up? Do I not want to know? Yeah, it starts with B and rhymes with runt. Oh, okay. Got you. Um, Plank, please let us know. How you learned of the breaking uh, breaking news last night since it was during a broadcast? That's a good question, Jim in Arlington, because I had – I never – I got a couple of notes that something was going down. And so I, st- I, I reached out because – and by the way, I've gotten these before where it's like, hey, something's going to happen today with the SEC deal – and nothing happens. But for some reason, I started taking this a little bit more serious. So I was asking a few people, and they're like, yeah, don't don't say anything. Don't. I'm on an official, you know, University of Oklahoma broadcast, so I'm not saying anything. I mean, anything. And it's, I want to say, like, the first inning. I want to say it's the first inning of the game, and we're rolling. It's like, yeah, so-and-so coming to the plate. Here we go. And then... Patrick Dunn, who sits next to me on most broadcasts, he, he points to it that it broke. And so we're kind of showing each other our phones. And I said, what should I do? He's like, well, wait until it becomes official. And then literally at that moment, Josh, OU dropped its its release on it. So honestly, I mean, it's a big story. And it was one of those things that, you know, whatever time that was last night when it dropped, I probably could have talked about all night long. But at that moment, I don't think I mentioned it again. 
I think it was just all in on softball. And would leave it to future conversations and all the all the different platforms that cover OU athletics because last night was about OU softball to me, not the SEC. There was a part of me that was a little bit mad that it dropped during the game, but also pretty happy because it gave us content. Clarity. <laughs> like, Finality. Yeah, it gave us some clarity. All right. Um, it, it, by the way, this is a really good question before we break. Because, and I'm not going to lie, man, I, I'm, I'm the same way from the 918. He writes, how is $50 million not a buyout? Is I missing, am I missing something? It's $50 million you lose, correct? So I, I'm the exact same way. And I think according to what Max Olson had said, and then it, it, it was funny because I like Max, but then everyone treats you like a moron where they're like, whoa. You didn't know this? And you're like, I mean, no, no I, I, I'm i not going to lie. I honestly thought you had to cut a check. And I thought that was the reason that there was such a delay in all of this. But Max Olson said, just in case there's any confusion, Oklahoma and Texas are not writing $50 million checks. They, they're they each forfeiting $50 million in revenue distributions. And the Big 12 bylaws call it a buyout fee. So whatever money they were going to make, over the next payouts, which, I mean, does the Big 12's deal even equal $50 million? So uh, $42.6 million is what each school was paid out, and that includes the you know bowl game payouts and March Madness, I believe, payouts, uh-huh. all of the postseason payouts for the 2021-22 fiscal year, $42.6 million. So uh, by my math, basically – you're giving that up, right, for uh-huh. 2023-24. So th- that that immediately you're forfeiting both Oklahoma and Texas are. Whatever that number would be. Not saying it's 42.6, but it's in that wheelhouse, right? And right. you wouldn't you wouldn't earn any of the 24-25, right? Because you're not right. in the league. You've already paid your exit fee. So <laughs> I'm assuming whatever share Oklahoma and Texas get of the revenue of the SEC – and its grant of rights deal in its first year, they would then forfeit back to the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's um, it's a little convoluted, but I mean, to those that had a few of these this morning, I haven't read them, but I've I've, I've seen them. Where it's like, gosh, spending a hundred million dollars on buyout fees could could put a new stadium up. No, they're again, they're not cutting. And it's not $100 million. It's $50 million. I mean, I I don't know about you guys and how you feel just in seeing this and reading it. I really feel like Oklahoma got a, a, a really good deal in this. I mean, I just – I'm not saying they got off easy. I'm not saying that it was cake. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just – I really feel like they got a really good deal in all of this. Based on all the numbers that have been reported and all the the buzz that have been talked about, Josh, you come away with, you know, basically, what are they trying to say? An upwards of like one one hundred and ten million for a total buyout and, and all of these different things. I just, you know, fifty million in revenue distribution sucks and it hurts, but in the same vein, you're you're diving into a place where you're going to make significantly more than that. I would love to hear, you know, from the finance people, okay, 
what does this look like? What's what's the short term? Is there, you know, is it going to be tough? I mean, does it hurt for OU in Texas or no? Or is it just they prepared for this? And I would imagine it's the latter more than the former. And All right. j- just one other thing real quick, Plank. Oh, go ahead. With what we forgot but then found out again from Ross Dellinger with the 99-year deal, ultimately you were going to pay something, right? So Sure. And it could have been – it could have wound up being much, much more – than fifty million to uh, to get out of this conference to pay your exit fee and you know wash your hands of this deal. So and I do think there's a level, I you know I do think there's a level at both Oklahoma and Texas of whether or not other Big Twelve fan bases want to feel this way or believe this when I say this. I do think there was a little bit of wanting to do right by the other member institutions in this league, and I think Oklahoma and Texas have done that. All right, Nick Kroll, OU tennis coach, is slated to join us next. The Air Comfort Solutions text line is not happy with you, USC, Brian. Not happy at all. But it seems to be pretty ecstatic over the future for both Oklahoma, Texas, and the SEC. We'll talk about it as the show rolls on on the Friday before the Super Bowl right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We are pumped to be joined by our man, the head coach of the OU men's tennis team, Nick Kroll. Coach, I'm very sorry that I'm running late today, but uh, I know you've got a busy schedule, and I apologize. But excited for the week ahead, excited for the start to the season. How are you feeling about where your guys are uh, with a big matchup against Memphis coming up? Yeah, we're we're excited for tonight. I think our guys are ready ready to get back out there and compete again. We've had a pretty good start to the season, 6-1, and one, and uh, our only loss was to Tennessee on the road. Four three, um, we had match points against those guys and didn't get it done. But we 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 uh, we felt like we had some things that we could work on coming back to Norman and and played really good last weekend. So Memphis has got a really good team coming in here. So it's gonna be a fun match tonight. Well, and I'm I, I'm I'm so pumped for what you guys have done. As you mentioned, you've won now three straight after that incredible match with Tennessee. Uh, what's kind of clicked for this team over the last week, Coach? I know with Memphis coming in, that's a heck of a challenge, and we want to see a great crowd out there tonight. But what have you seen click in these young men over the last few uh, matches? Well, they're just buying into the – doing all the fundamental things well, and I think everybody talks about that in all the sports. But um, they're doing a lot of extra work on their own, getting in there, working on their serves a lot, working on returns, um, and just doing the simple things well. I think that's been one of the biggest keys. And then – they're just competing so hard every night and they're playing for each other. And it's fun to see, uh, this group really come together. Um, they've been together now for a couple years. Uh, most of these guys and got some good experienced guys on the team. So I just think they're kind of finding their confidence right now and we want to keep, keep building it. Um, you know, we, against incarnate word and in taking care of business last week against Wichita state, Coach, obviously not at the level at, as Tennessee, but to go out and to not leave any doubt, right, and, and to dominate the way that this team did, what does that say to you about this team? Yeah, you know, that's one thing we've been really working on is closing out our opponents and trying to dominate every time we walk out there. And um, the Wichita State match especially, um, you know, you're trying to get the four matches first, and we won the doubles really handily. And and then I think we won two matches, love and love, and a match uh, one and one. So um, those matches went pretty quick, and, and our top guys really finished off 
some good players. And uh, I think they just kind of built on what we've been working on and, and things really clicked last weekend. And so we're just going to, tr- we know the competition probably going to be a little tougher tonight. Um, but that doesn't mean we still can't dominate. And that's what we've been talking about is trying to go out and dominate every match we play and, and win every point and play every point the same, regardless of who we're playing. And, and so the guys are doing a really good job of that. Um, Alex Martinez has been that dude uh, for you at, uh, at, at number one for most of the season. I think you, maybe rested him against Incarnate Word, but how have you felt about the progression of the the young man from Spain? Yeah, Alex, uh, even coming in early on in his career, he, he's very explosive, very athletic, and um, he's just maturing a, a lot right now and, and taking on that number one spot. He's done really well. Uh, he lost 7-6 uh, in the third to Tennessee's number one. That guy was ranked four in the country last year and um, probably one of the best four or five six guys in the country this year again. So kind of shows the level that he's playing at. And, and, and Jordan Hassan, kind of the same. Uh, those Both of those guys were playing really high level at the top of the lineup. And uh, Jordan got off quick both matches, or maybe all three matches last weekend. And he beat one of the best players in the country from Tennessee two weekends ago. So, yeah, those two guys at the top have really, really stepped up. Uh, speaking of that, was was it just you know an opportunity to see how Jordan would respond as the one? Because like you said, he's played really well so far this season, and you know I I would imagine for you to have that strength at one and two, and I think what Alex is fifty seventh in the country right now, and Jordan's unranked, but to see the way that the New Zealander has, has stepped up uh, this season, or excuse me, uh, Jordan's from Israel, to see the way yeah. that he stepped up this season, it's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, uh, came in as a freshman last year and. I think he got up to about 39 in the country, and, and the rankings are pretty uh, volatile. They move around a lot, especially in the fall or early part of the season. But I see both of those guys as, as definite top uh, 50 players in the country with potential of being All-Americans this year. So um, both of those guys can play number one. And, you know, they played each other uh, in the fall um, in, a, in a pro tournament. Uh, and they played each other in the semifinals, and I think it came down to 7-5 seven, seven, or 7-6 seven, in the third, and I think one of them had match points, and then the other guy won. So they're just they're just neck and neck right there at the top. And, you know, the middle of our lineup guys are, are basically the same level as well, Nathan Hahn and, and Justin Schlageter, and, and our new player from Illinois is a transfer, Cephas Monsi. So um, we've got a lot of depth there, uh, top of the lineup and through the middle. So it's it's been fun to see these guys come together and, and just buying into their roles. Um, well, a couple more and I'll get you out of here. First of all, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a constant question that we that we ask whenever we have you on, but, you know, it's free to get in. There's always, you know, that, that little extra ump. I don't think people realize how much of a difference a great crowd at these tennis matches can make, but, Coach, tell them. Tell the people. Let them know. Yeah. Preach. I mean, we could use great crowds, and it makes a big difference. For sure, and, and it, it makes a huge difference for our guys to seeing all the Sooners up there and, it gets really loud, especially in our indoor facility. It's probably one of the loudest facilities in the country. So when you pack two, three, four hundred people in there, uh, it really makes a difference. I think our building is probably one of the hardest places to play in the country. Um, opposing teams know, like, coming in, it's, it's, it's a tough place to play. And the crowd is sitting on top uh, above the court, and, and they're looking down, and the, the opposing teams feel, feel the crowd right above them, and, and it gets loud. And so... The more, the more people in there, the better. We've got some great giveaways tonight, TV, racket, 
Um, I know they're they're going to have some food out there, so it's going to be a it's going to be a fun environment. Uh, and I know that you know we don't like to get caught up looking ahead, but you know after this matchup against Memphis, you know we're what a couple weeks away. Arizona State and Arizona coming to Norman. Um, you got Tulsa coming to Norman. You got Big Twelve play. I mean, this is this thing's starting to heat up, Coach. Yeah, our our lineup. I mean, our schedule starting basically right now. Every, every match is going to be going to be big for us uh, in what we're trying to do: ranking and NCAA setting ourselves up for hosting the NCAA's, and it, and it really starts tonight. So um, Memphis would be a great start, to kind of building that resume for trying to host the NCAA tournament regional championships. And um, we actually moved one of our matches from March to next weekend. We're playing A&M on the road. So we've got Memphis and then A&M, and then we go play this big tournament out in Alabama called the Blue Gray. There'll be four or five top 25 teams out there. And so, our just our, like you said, our schedule's just ramping up. But if we can get these huge crowds and protect our, protect our home court and, and win all the matches at home, we're going to be in a really good position. You're the man. Nick, best of luck tonight, Coach. I always enjoy getting to talk to you. Uh, we'll have to catch up again soon, and uh, can't wait to see this team continue to grow and have success. Well, th- thanks for having us on, and, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. All right, buddy. Nick Kroll. Okay. All right. Bye. Headman's tennis coach at the University of Oklahoma joining us here on the uh, on the ref. By the way, I just saw this from 580 Nate, Josh, and before we go to break, we got to think about this. He writes, three more callers like USC Brian. And we can form a whack pack, like a Plank and Josh pack or whatever. We need one caller, like the kid that used to call into Patrick Mares every night where he was doing late nights on Mad Dog. Now, a lot of you might not know who is it, Mayor. I like Patrick, but I've never said his name right. And I believe it's Mayor. Because uh, Mayor looks right. Him and Dustin Sweetelson, his producer, Dustin and I. Funny story, by the way, 5808. You want to talk about uncomfortable situations. My very first evening show on Mad Dog Sports Radio that I ever got to do was the night when they had announced that Patrick was leaving. And he's a very popular host. Very, He's on Visa now. Smart dude. I really like him a lot. And I get to fill in on the show after they announced that his contract wasn't being – I don't know if his contract wasn't being renewed or I think he was just moving on. So literally, Josh, it was a whole show of, you're not Patrick, you suck, <laughs> you're terrible. How dare you take over, you what stink. Are you, I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, I'm the filling guy tonight, and we're talking Aaron Rodgers, bleep you, hey, class. we're Sweetelson. Hey, what's up, class? I'm here, I'm your substitute t- teacher, I'm Chris Plank. Oh gosh, I was the worst night of, and what was even worse is I was, I was on, uh, I had to go home for some family stuff. So I was doing it from home. Um, and my, my stepdad keeps all of his alcohol hidden down there in his, in his office. And there were a few times where I was looking at it and I'm like, mm-hmm. <sighs> might help here a little bit, but no, uh, Patrick Mayer and that crew is fantastic. So I'm glad we got that reference in today. We need, we do, we do that. He had like this, I think it was like a 10-year-old kid that knew sports incredibly well. Well, let me get him on. We got to find we got to find like a whack pack for the plank show. But see, I I know I I know some of you disagree. I don't I like USC Brian. I don't mind it. I take it for the for the comedy that it's worth, you know? 
it's it's good to me. He would be he would like be our our Bobo, right? He would be someone that would have some show history and he'd be able to have always have well written out takes. They might not agree with them. But you know, we, we, we all now we need to find our uh Beetlejuice. We need to find our Eric the actor. And I don't know, how would you feel about who's the other Eric? that I'm just completely spacing on right now. High pitch, Eric. High pitch, Eric. Thank we you. don't need a high pitch. Please. I'm, I'm begging you. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks to Nick Kroll. Get out. Memphis tonight at the uh, Headington Tennis Complex. Looks like that's going to get underway at 7 p.m. for OU and Memphis. Uh, six, oh, hold on. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. I'm on Eastern time somehow. 6 p.m. Correct it. 6 p.m. OU and Memphis coming up tonight. From uh, from Norman, Headington Tennis Comp- uh, Complex should be fun. We take a break. We come back. Best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Top five stories of the day right around the corner. More from last night's softball matchup still to come right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. <laughs> I got to lie. I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I got to tell you a fib right here, Josh. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There was a... There's a moment every so often where I'll look up and I'll see. Uh, for, I got first take on here for some ungodly reason in my hotel room in L.A. And I'll see the shots of Jalen and, and Patrick Mahomes. And I'm still I'm, I'm still in shock that Jalen has become what he's become, man. I don't know if we talk about it enough. Because, you know, count me among those that always thought, and, and let's be clear, too. It's not like Philadelphia runs necessarily a traditional, quote-unquote, traditional offense. They've got a system that Nick Sirianni has brilliantly, well, that's the best way to put it, conformed around Jalen Hurts, and it's worked perfectly. And he's a rock star. Is there any part of you that's like me where, granted, Philly's a really good team, but they're not here without Jalen Hurts. You know, he's the rock. He was the MVP candidate. Uh, now Mahomes won it, and understandably and deservedly so. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP, no doubt, in my mind. But for the Eagles, to see what Jalen Hurts has become, is there any part of you that kind of still surprised to see that he's in this position like I am? Yeah, absolutely. And I just I credit the Eagles organization for their faith and their steady belief that the second-round draft choice that they made in Jalen Hurts was the right one if they allowed it to be the right one, if they went and found some pieces to supplement what uh, what was going on in Philadelphia. And, and what you hear coming into this Super Bowl plank and along the way is they're just so good up front, both sides of the football. Uh, led the NFC, right, in sacks. Offensive line is elite. So – when you've got that type of infrastructure around you, and oh, by the way, then you go get the skill talent to pair with it, you, you know, you set Jalen Hurts up to be very, very successful, which he was. Is there any part of you that's still like, okay, what does next season and beyond look like for Jalen Hurts? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, you know, there is, this is a league of adjustments, right? And again, we, we can fight over. The, phys- the physical nature of that position and, oh, but Jalen's built different. He's built more like a fullback back there or whatever, but he still takes a pounding. And 
I can't help but wonder if eventually that that's the quarterback, man. That I don't care how big and thick you are, what an out of context. But that still is something that inevitably it it takes years off. So in my opinion, Josh, yeah, I think it's gonna be real interesting going forward to see what that offense looks like and see how Jalen continues to adjust. But there's one thing that's undeniable, dude. He's got a squad and they're playing for a championship. It's really cool to see. You want to roll through some of these air comfort solutions text real quick? Let's. Let's do just that. On the day in which we've been reacting quite a bit to the SEC move for Oklahoma, which is now confirmed for the 2024 season. It's uh, USC the Bryan. slippery rock. Slippery the rock slippery move. rock, right? <laughs> slippery, rock, um, slippery rock relocation, if I can speak. That's right. Uh, Oklahoma Jones writes, USC Bryant is just like USC football. No one really cares about them in their home area. Most of the time, mediocre and irrelevant and will completely be forgotten about in a short amount of time. Uh, I don't know about that. Dallas Bills got a double shot here. When will the NCAA step in and save the day with all this madness, NIL conference realignment, portal transfers, and policing the collegiate fairly? And with the media money, by the way, that's sarcasm. And with the media revenue, money forfeited to the Big 12, the most important question should be, how will this affect broadcasters' revenue like sideline guys? Mm-hmm. Great question. I don't know. I just <laughs> want to be Hopefully not at all. Hopefully, hopefully it's <laughs> on the rise. Hopefully it would be in a good way. Hopefully it would be in a good way. The 405. I would actually say as of right now that USC probably does have a better shot at winning the Pac-12 championship before OU wins the SEC championship. Now, we'll see how far USC falls after Caleb Williams leaves. I do think OU is going to be better next year. Well, let me go ahead and make sure uh, I clarify this. Big Ten championship. Yes. I said I would bet every penny in my bank account that Oklahoma wins an SR plays for an SEC championship before USC plays for an SEC championship. Though there is a part of me that does worry a little bit because with the way things are looking right now this offseason in Michigan. Yeah, not, we're we're basically good. like like 2023 doesn't even count in this discussion that we're having. It's 2024 and beyond. Um we're hitting everything. Camo Sooner writes, I feel like Patty Gasso loves the tight down-to-the-wire games, character builders. Um, I-, I would agree as long as those tight down-to-the-wire games include playing smart, right? Includes, you know, not making mistakes. If you're, um, if you're kicking the ball all over the yard and it's a tight game because you've committed three errors, I don't think she likes that. But I, I do think she likes, for instance, there was a moment last night, I don't have my I don't have my scorebook in front of me. But there was a moment where Grace Lyons had a tailor-made double play ball hit right to her, and she booted it. And on the very next play, I think it happened twice, Josh, against Liberty last night. On the very next play, she made a sensational, sensational double play. One of them was unassisted. One of them was on a quick flip to Tiare. It was incredible. So, yeah, when you make a mistake and you make up for it, it's great. When it's still tight and you hit a hot pitcher, hey, that's going to happen. Three times last year, this is my favorite stat from last night. Three times last year, the Sooners scored three or fewer runs, or uh, zero to two runs last night. Three times last year. They were two and one in those games. And one of those games was a UAB game. 
<laughs> they won two to zip. No one remembers that. No one does. Jossie bunted in that game. Oklahoma couldn't do anything. It happens in this sport. I know there's some people that are just jumping on board and like, one zip, four zip, where's my home runs? They're coming. They're coming. It's this sport. Uh, and then since we're we're hitting everything here in this kind of delve into the Air Comfort Solutions text line, the 918 writes, maybe Moser sticks around. I believe the Sooners could roll in SEC play definitely. Getting more wins and an NCAA bid. They've beaten Bama, Ole Miss, Florida, one attorney. So SEC ought to be good for Sooner basketball in the long run. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, Tennessee still very good, but look, they just lost to Vanderbilt the other night. Um, yeah, could, Auburn's kind of a mystery. They, they haven't been able to figure things out, but Bruce Pearl is there. So give him a chance to kind of start spreading the dollars, get those bags out. Who knows? But I – I do think that's one area where you look at it and you might feel you might feel a little bit better about, okay, well, SEC is still good, but with Kentucky where they are right now, I don't know. Even though I think I say this with peace and love, I think Oscar Shibwe might score like 70 if he played against us. <laughs> I really do. Still, with that in mind, we won't have to worry about him by the time we get to the SEC. All right, quick break. When we come back. Time out. All right, when we come back, uh, good question on the text line. What we know about the move to the SEC and what's next for Oklahoma moving forward. Plus, we got a game tonight, 9.30, Oklahoma and Stanford here in Irvine. We'll get you ready with a quick preview coming up next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. I was um, I was very proud of myself after the game last night, Josh, because usually – I'll spend way too much time reading everything that's out there. You know what I did after the game last night? Went to bed. Got home. Probably made the mistake of eating Mexican as late as I did. Went to bed. <laughs> I, everyone was making fun of me because I'm like, oh, we're having Mexican? It's it's like 11 o'clock. <laughs> Look, I'm like, okay. I guess I'm the only one here that needs to pre-tums before this one. But this is a good question, uh, just to kind of like a day in the life thing for the 405. Uh, Plank, the worst part of game day is the waiting. You're doing a radio show, then what, taking a nap. But what does the softball team and the coaches do while waiting out the day before getting on the bus to go to the park? You know what? That's a really good question. So let me let me give you at least a correction. Number one, I'm not taking a nap after the show. Uh, after this show is over, I'll go for my walk, walk around the, the hood here, walk around the hotel, walk around. There's a couple of nice little places here that I like to check out. They have a they had a store that had, like, Rick and Morty characters all over. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. Yeah, it was a head shop, so I quickly exited that. But I like to take a little walk. And then I, I've got another radio show today. I've got Big 12. I've got to finish up my baseball preview on Chaos for Boyd Street and – uh, then I think we leave here later on, obviously. I think we're going to leave here about 4 o'clock local time, maybe. But on a day like today, they'll get up, they'll they'll do their mobility training. In fact, I think that's what they're in the midst of right now. And basically, I, I think they're going shopping. <laughs> I think they're going to take them shopping at about uh, noon today. Then we'll have a lunch, a little study hall. They've worked in some time for a nap for them, and... 
then we'll leave for the hotel. Uh, we'll leave the hotel at 6:45, 6:45 tonight. So they they Patty is is really big. Coach Gasso is really big on not having a lot of idle time. In other words, if if there is a gap like today and tomorrow, you've got a whole day before you play a game. So she's going to keep them busy. If it's if it's not getting them moving and getting them out, going to a restaurant, going to a mall, somewhere, they're going to be moving and doing something. Because if there is one thing that I've learned is there is nothing that Coach Gasso despises more than just sitting around and either just watching a game before yours or, like, not doing anything. So you won't see Oklahoma – ever like sitting in left field watching a game you won't see them lined up along the fence watching the game before theirs that's just that's never going to be an OU thing as long as Patty Gasso is the coach but good question I think it's fair um for the 405 anyone else like me I'm like $30 for flow softball to watch 10 OU softball games over the next three weekends hell no but $30 for tacos hell yes but I still ended up buying Flo softball and can't wait for the nightcap tonight. <laughs> what was the funny TikTok that I saw the other day? Guy was talking about whenever I was a kid, $40 is what you would spend on an expensive restaurant to go out to dinner and you'd feel real good about things. Now, $40 is a family of four's order at McDonald's. He ain't wrong. But, yeah, Flo softball, it's a good option. It really is. I, I would be very grateful with as much pub as we've given them if you would also find the time to crank on the radio broadcast here. It's the Plank Show, top five stories of the day, coming up next.